Abby. And I'm Allie. And it's about, about time, time for true crime. crime. Hello. How are you guys? Hi, you guys. Welcome to our first ever two-parter. You guys, I just have to say, so at the time that we're filming this, our first three episodes have been out for a week. And the amount of support and love and just, mm. I don't know, the feedback we've gotten has like given me chills. I know. Everybody has been so sweet and given such positive feedback. And you guys, we have over 200 listens, which is insane. Thank you. Which is pretty good considering it's been like a few days, basically. So yeah. we are pinching all hundreds of you like all your little cheeks and we're giving you all hugs and we're booping your little noses blowing you little kisses and giving you good vibes and thanking you for telling any of your family and friends about these two weird ass people that you listen to on the internet seriously but we really we really appreciate it it's really fun for us to get to do and to hear people that we don't know give us positive feedback and of course you know thanks mom and dad but yeah thank you <laughs> but it's just really cool to have that so we're we really appreciated it we take all of the dms and emails super seriously and we we gush over them it's, just, it's really cool you guys it's like having a bunch of friends all over the place that care about what you're saying and that listen and are excited but never getting to see them so we just kind of thought we were too random kooky people that liked true crime and weird morbid shit and obviously we know that the true crime niche on the internet is growing and that's awesome but it is just wild to think that we are people you guys want to listen to talk it's cool it's super cool and super flattering yes thank you we will try not to let you down we have merch coming for you guys we merch 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 we just have some super exciting things coming and i just figured because I'm so excited, the case that I'm bringing you today is one that I'm super excited to tell you guys about. And right before you get into that, I am just going to throw out there that in terms of merch, I put it up on our Instagram, which is about time for true crime pod with periods in between every word. But I put on our little story that if anybody has any merch designs, any specific merch items that they'd like to see, send us a request. Let us know. If you like graphic art, do it. We'll give you props. We'll give you credit. And um, we're just really excited. We do have a shirt that we've designed. We don't have a release date for that quite yet, but stay tuned. It is coming. We got a lot of feedback about what you guys wanted in terms of topics. We got a lot of feedback in terms of what you guys wanted for merch. So baseball hats was sort of a big thing. Oh my gosh, the baseball hats. We are so down. And um, in terms of topics, a lot of people wanted more recent cases, which is why I'm coming at you today. Woo! With a more recent case. And since you guys seem to like us so much, it's an extra long one. Absolutely. So this is coming at you in two parts because I could not stop myself. There was just so many details that I knew I couldn't not include. It's just it was important to the story. And I feel like it would not do the story justice if I omitted those. So. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know I'm like this and I just assume we're the same on everything. But I love a deep dive. Like, the more information, the better for me. I really don't just like the on the surface stuff. I really just want to kind of know everything about it. Yeah. And also, it definitely makes for a better story once you get into it and understand the characters at play, like who's acting and what the situation is. So I love this stuff. I'm super into it. Well, then you will be super into this. So Hooray. 
I'm sure if you clicked on this episode, you know that the name of this is The Pathetic Tale of Mark Twitchell. He's an asshole. But before we get into the asshole, I want to talk about someone that's not an asshole. Me? I want to talk about two people that aren't assholes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Who I meant was Dexter Morgan. So the show Dexter. This is where we're starting today, guys, because I've always loved this show. I watched it. I don't know how many times. Well, really, I rewatched the first four seasons, but that's a debate for the other time because the last ones are really just not worth it. Yeah, you. You, David. <clears throat> but I wanted to talk about this because I had such a huge crush on Michael C. Hall, who plays dexter (laughs) always like he's up there in my celebrity crush list and he just he has been since i've watched dexter like to me leonardo dicaprio brad pitt michael c hall like those are the names that come up see for me it's mark ruffalo matthew gray gubbler and shamar moore okay i like it oh okay sorry onwards well and i was gonna say i'm like oh leonardo dicaprio is too old for me but i'm probably just too old for him now Yikes. Boom! Roasted. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. At least we all know that if you're listening to this, you're probably too old for Drake. So, <laughs> shots, fu- shots fired. Well, uh, again, I'm really into Michael C. Hall. I love him, and I also just really love the show Dexter. So, if you've never watched it, and there's a lot of people who haven't, <clears throat> me, yes, not naming names, but it's Abby. <laughs> The show is fantastic, but also I'm going to give you some background on sort of like what the show is about. So Dexter is about a serial killer who kills only other serial killers, or at least he's only supposed to. And he was adopted as a child by um, his adopted dad, Harry Morgan, who was a police officer in the Miami, oh my God who was a police officer in the Miami Metro Police Department. And Dexter was found covered in his mom's blood at the scene of her murder. Yikers. Yes. So Harry, like, brought him home and just kind of adopted him. But it kind of became clear early on that Dexter was, like, not a typical kid. And he started displaying like homicidal tendencies and it was just kind of made clear that the exposure he had to violence when he was a kid when he watched his mom literally be murdered in front of him had set him on this new path in life that was not good so harry sort of had a decision to make he figured okay this kid's gonna kill people you know i'm sure maybe i can institutionalize him but what are the other options and he ends up teaching him a code and this code is basically what the show is based on and what dexter lives his life based on and it's that he only kills people who like quote unquote deserve it meaning have killed other people so i just want you to know while we were talking i did look it up Mm -hmm. he's cute i see it i get it there's something about a dark eye and a big shoulder delightful but if those were the last eyes I looked into before I died, I'd be like, shit. That's okay. all. That's the whole commentary. I just looked at it and he definitely looks like he could be a serial killer, though it is very cute. Maybe that's why he was cast. Love he it. does have like smaller, like beadier eyes. Like 
the second half of his face is more pronounced than like the top yes. half. <laughs> I don't know. I and don't I like the mean. darker hair compared to the lighter hair, but that's neither here nor there. Well, now I just feel bad. Michael C. Hall. No, you're so I cute, Michael you. C. Hall. You're doing great. I, I meant to comment in a good way. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> but those shoulders, though. Okay. Anyway. <sighs> oh, my God. Stop distracting me. So the code is that Dexter only kills people who deserve it. And by deserve it, I mean have killed other people, but got off on technicalities, skirting the system, running, bunch of different reasons. Long story short... Dexter can satisfy his need to kill or what he calls his dark passenger throughout the series and Harry can sleep a little bit better at night knowing that Dexter isn't killing innocent people. So all of this is just sort of the backstory that you learn through season one but at the time of the show Dexter works for Miami Metro Police Department following in Harry's footsteps. However he's not a police officer. He is a blood spatter analyst. Okay one last thing and then I promise I'm done interrupting and commenting. And this is not to be bad in that I'm shitting on the show because I think this is going to be important for the case, but also exciting for me to get some background. But just as my little commentary out there, in case anybody thinks that is normalized, um, let's just hold men accountable for their actions instead of coming up with the lesser of two evils. That's all. Yay, Dexter. Let's keep going. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, I just love him. Anyway, (laughs) at the time of the show, he works as a blood spatter analyst and he's the guy that's on the crime scene sort of like securing the evidence taking the photos and he's like collecting the dna and he's the one testing it he's like the sciencey techie guy and he uses the patterns in like the blood to help investigators determine what happened at the crime scene and also working at the pd is his sister deb and there's like a whole thing there and he's got his you know his dark passenger and as he's you know finding cases some of even like the cases that she's working of people that get off on technicalities those people become his next victim and he will incapacitate them and then he has like what he calls like his kill room scary yes which is literally this room covered like floored ceiling and plastic sheeting and yes and like bubble wrap basically and he just like straps them to a table kills them and then dismembers the body and then gets rid of it in like well a bunch of different ways normally just like dropped in the ocean so he's really careful not to leave any evidence behind and doesn't just like leave an intact body like that's sort of his sounds really gruesome when you talk about it so he's pretty organized huh he's pretty organized but we'll get into that Another time. Another time. Just plant that little seed there. Anyway, so he's really good at what he does because he does this, you know, he does it for a living, but he also has mastered how to do it, you know, I guess for sport and and fun. But while he's a serial killer, he's also married. He's a dad. He has friendships relationships he's got he keeps his job his co-workers like him he's quiet he's polite he doesn't give you the creeps and he doesn't make you uncomfortable that all seems true also i just have to add that there's like a really good like collection of guest stars on the show like john lithgow's on there for an entire season i love it as a murderer as a serial killer i love it and it's just weird because i remember him from like third rock from the sun and harry and the hendersons 
Yes. And then you just see him and you're just like, did John Lithgow just kill someone in her bathtub? And was that his butt? Like, like to give a hot what? <laughs> yes, it was yes. just it's a lot. And then um, Jimmy Smits, do you know him? No, but it sounds familiar. What did he do? Look him up. He's been in a lot of things. He's been in like a lot of the Star Wars movies and like apparently in the, the got it. The That's new, where the new Obi Wan um, uh-huh. TV show they made. Our only hope. But he's also Amy Santiago's dad in Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's in How to Get Away with Murder. So there's just a lot of A listers, you know, and as part of the cast anyway. But. Mm-hmm. All of that to say that Dexter is a very organized, methodical serial killer. He has this double life where he has his relationships and his family and, you know, this good job and this relationship with his coworkers and people like him and he's personable and all of that. He's a little awkward, but it's just kind of written off as like, oh, that's Dex. And who among us is not a little awkward? I mean, aren't we all just a little awkward? Aren't we all Dexter? No, I'm just kidding. So... All of that to say that I could psychoanalyze him for hours, and I'm sure you guys don't want to hear that, but I wanted you to just have a good foundation of the backstory here because this is really pertinent to the case that we're going to talk about. Yeah, get to the good, bad stuff. I know. So today, (laughs) we're not talking about Dexter Morgan, Sai. But we are talking about a Dexter Morgan copycat killer. I love this. And this is American Idol. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, this it's a no from me, dog. <laughs> this is the pathetic tale of Mark Twitchell. Oh, Marky boy. So I call Mark Twitchell. I literally wrote the bitchel schnitzel. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was up really late researching this. Okay, something you guys need to know about Allie is she comes up with the funniest names for things. <laughs> so she calls me Abel Dabbleson, which I've never heard in my many a year. Never. I will always call you that. Abel Dabbleson. And then what is this? The Bitchel Schnitzel? The Bitchel Schnitzel. I fucking Try love saying that. that 10 times the fast. Sh- okay. Well, no. I went to speech therapy for that, so I'm not going to do that. But. <laughs> is that triggering? Yikes. Yes. <laughs> I just re- remembered all of the different pronunciations. Well, like. you can also call him a scrote <gasps> bag because that's what he is. He's also a try hard. He's an asshole. Get a little uh, shit on his nose there from kissing up. Seriously. And he's like, he's a weasel. I just, I don't like him. But he's also a salesman, an aspiring filmmaker, a husband, and a father. Last two, eh, fine. I'll give it to him. But aspiring filmmaker. Oh, we'll get to that. I could, I could videotape a ladybug and it would be, I could make it a film. We're getting there, Yikes. right? So, Mark. Oh, Twitchell. <gasps> oh no! I just had an anxiety about what the videos might be of. Okay, continue. I don't think it's. Ah, uh, no! Don't go there. Okay. We're not there yet. Okay, good. I said yet. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Ah. Oh my god! <laughs> stop. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Mark Twitchell is <laughs> Canadian, and he was born, born and raised in Edmonton, Canada, which was also known to the locals as. Deadminton. For what reason? Not a great place to live. That as in you, if you move there, you end up dead, or if you move there, nothing's happening. The place is dead. A little bit of both. It's bleak. Crime rates weren't exactly like super low either, but it was just sort of like bleh. Okay, all right. No offense to anyone who lives in Edmonton, 
right now. Hope y'all are not deadminton. Lots of, lots of love to you. Hugs and kisses. XOXO. Anyway. By all accounts, he had a very typical childhood, and he went on to graduate from university, as they call it in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, from the Radio and Television Arts Program at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. That's a Yawn. mouthful. That is a mouthful. Yeah. Also, not anything at all that I'm interested in. Yeah, no offense, guy, but... Ugh. And so Mark graduates in the year 2000 and he had dreams of going on to become like this big filmmaker in Hollywood he like really thought he was going to make it he wanted the attention the fame the notoriety and he had like all the confidence in the world in his own abilities but his wife kind of didn't I mean she supported him but she's also like can you stick with sales like we have a newborn at least realistic yeah like can we have some kind of consistent income so their marriage was sort of rocky because he sort of like accused her of not supporting him and he lied about working for a really long time too like he had, he had quit his sales job and didn't tell her and was like oh i just like have this sales call and she's like okay but like we can't pay electric so what the fuck yes so mark wrote like this star wars-esque movie i don't know if it was meant to be like a sequel or a prequel or something like that and i don't know much about star wars i won't pretend to but he ends up getting someone from the original Star Wars cast to play a role in it. Oh, that's sick. So, I mean, he wasn't like this absolute nobody who like just, you know, would make videos like, I don't know. With, like ladybugs. With his razor phone, like in his basement, <laughs> you know, at this yeah. time. Because this is a few years later now. Um, but he wasn't, you know, on the world stage for it either. Right. So he gets this guy... So the guy from Star Wars, his name was Jeremy Bullock, Bullock, Bullock. I don't know. Someone probably knows, but I don't. Probably Bullock. And he played Boba Fett in the original movies, which it's, there's literally like the show on it now, which is hilarious. Yes. But I just think it's funny because it's like, I'm pretty sure the one guy is like in this like full head to toe costume. Yes. So you can't see his face. So it's like, okay, cool. You got the guy that played it. But like, I could have like got on stilts and been like oh i was boba fett yes like how do you know but anyway he did have a role in it so i mean he made enough of a like splash for himself at least locally right um he wasn't terrible he wasn't great but you know people weren't lining the streets to meet him he's kind of exactly a hobbyist good enough at it and wants to spend his time on it but isn't quitting his well is quitting his day job but shouldn't be quitting his day job for it exactly and there's i mean granted like yeah he's an asshole but take the asshole piece out of it like the whole part we're gonna get to if he had like went on a straight narrow path and wasn't a complete dick yeah he probably would have made it in like today's world or something like that starting that early and doing more but so we'll get into that well especially with a background in understanding technology I'm sure he could have done great. The thing that is frustrating is that there's a reason people get trained for the fields they go into. So he was trained in tech. Awesome. But other people are trained in movie production and creation for a reason. And that's not to say he couldn't have gone back and done some of that studies or even just like tried to boost his own portfolio by taking a community college class. But there are other ways to do it besides just secretly quitting your job and leaving your wife and newborn to figure shit out. Exactly. And again, 
none of his films that he made were ever like released to the public so it's not like you can look it up and like watch the whole thing or anything like that you can look up some some of his scripts and they are kind of weird Ooh, like just not well written you guys let us know if you want Allie and i to do a two-person reading of one of his scripts um you can let us know if you want that but don't hold your breath for it oh i'm not but (laughs) i think it could be funny (laughs) so at this time, after his Star Wars movie thing comes out, you know, I guess maybe to like the three people that went to see it. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, this was also the time that Dexter aired on Showtime. So we're in 2006 right now. And Dexter gains this large following and many fans. And of those fans was Mark Bitchell. Mark Twitchell. And he's <laughs> fascinated by Dexter Morgan he identifies with him. Dexter had this full-time job, friends, wife, kids, but none of it pacified his need and impulse to kill. And Dexter put on this facade of normalcy, but beneath the mask, he was an outsider. And Mark becomes obsessed with that. That resonates with him. He feels like he's connected to this fictional character. And Again, he's obsessed with Dexter and not in the way that I am. Like he wanted to be Dexter and people were quoting. They were like, he used to rewatch the show over and over again. I'm like, who hasn't David? (laughs) Yeah, I don't necessarily think that is the concerning piece to all of this. Um, That's a hot take. I know it's not yours, but that's a hot take of all the people who were like, "Mm, that's called a comfort show. That's just anxiety, babes. Like. And it's just funny because it's like, oh, rewatch it. And it's just like, okay, but it's really good, though. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And it's it's so weird to look back because, like, I watched it in early high school. And then I probably watched it, like, again. At least, like, the seasons I liked. Not the whole thing. Because toward the end, it kind of got... But... Yeah. In the beginning, those first four, those core four were really good. But looking back at it now, it's like... He whips out his phone and it's like a razor phone. You're like, oh, okay. Like but at it's the time, dated. it was so cool. I I know, but it just it Ugh. dates itself. You know, when you yeah. watch it now, and there's just things that don't apply. And then later, it's like the first generation iPhone. It just had that look. You know. Yeah. So it was just sort of funny to look at it now. And I watched the Dexter reboot that just came out because obviously I did that. There was a reboot that came out. They did like a one season. I don't think they're gonna do more because they really can't with the way it ended. But. Um, they did like a one season sort of like where he is now. I really like that. I kind of wish more big shows did that. And it it got sort of mixed reviews. I thought it was really good just because I liked seeing the continuation of it. And I wasn't a fan of how it ended the first time. Right. So it was kind of cool to see that. But Mark Twitchell doesn't know. The schnitzel bitchel. Bitchel schnitzel. Parque no los dos. Okay. Well, anyway. Okay. So at this time, even though he's obsessed with Dexter, he's still working on his own films and he ends up renting a garage as a set. And he wanted to begin working on a film that he had written that he had named House of Cards, which I think there's there's a TV show about that, no? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's not the same. It's not at all the same idea, but maybe he this was his name first. I have no idea. But in this movie, the main character, a man would make a fake dating profile like on this site i think it was plenty of fish and (laughs) he would be posing as a woman and he would match and flirt with a married man while pretending to be the woman and then make plans to see the man 
Okay. So the profile was like this young, sexy, hot thing, and she's very flirty and whatever. And the right. the married, you know, she's one of the hot young milfs in my area that want to meet up. Yes, seriously, okay. like those weird texts you get. Yeah. Hey, cutie, xx. Seriously, click this link. It's not a virus. You know that stuff. <laughs> yes. So. He's pretending to be this hot woman, this main character is, and invites the man on a date. And when the man arrives, not expecting to see him, he would kill him. And it was this like play on this vigilante idea that he was punishing the married man for interacting and meeting with this hot chick. Always. This was the plot of the House of Cards film that he made. Okay. The ironic part of it was that he was actually cheating on his own wife. Like, in real life, like... Motherfucker. Mark Twitchell was writing this this script about killing the guy who's cheating on his wife, flirting with this online personality, and he's doing it. Do you think that's, like, a little self-destructive tendency of his? Uh, li- yeah, a little bit. A little bit on the nose. Yeah. It, that's, like, it bothers me when celebrities do really shitty things and then play characters, well, specifically actors, that will then play characters who do those shitty things and be surprised when they get caught. I'm I like, know. Like, they couldn't have kept that a little more under wraps. They, like, clutch their pearls about it. It's hilarious. Crystalia. Sorry. Oh, goodness. We're going after all of them today. Have you heard of what happened with of him? Of course I did. Yikers. That's from the, all. From you, right? That's yeah. Him? He, yeah. like, took advantage of minors and then was a comedian taking advantage of minors and in real life was a comedian taking advantage of minors. We didn't think anybody would catch on to that guy. I, th- I mean, I thought he was funny. He did is still kind of funny, but I just don't want to support it. It's not it. Was he not like, this feels oddly familiar. Yeah. <laughs> I would be paranoid as hell. And maybe that's the anxiety talking, but like I can accidentally forget to scan something at Target or I can go to the line with the person and they can accidentally do it. And I'll come right back and be like, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> please don't arrest me. I know. Like, I'll pay double. Yikes. It's fine. <laughs> so he's really making a film about murdering people doing exactly what he's doing. Exactly. Yikes. So, and I just, I literally wrote, this guy's such an asshole. <laughs> um, and he filmed this movie. Like, he hired actors. He had this set that he used. Most of his sets were primarily, like, green screen. So, like, I think the initial take of it was easy to film. But all the work that comes in afterwards when you need to actually, like, edit in all of the CGI and everything. That, right. Like, that's where it was going to take a long time. But. He'd already done the Star Wars one, so he's got this one. And oh, I was going to ask if Boba Fett played the hottie. <laughs> <laughs> no, Boba Fett was in the Star Wars movie. Oh. Supposedly. Well, yes, I know. <laughs> but this guy um, had, like, the local actors, like, I don't know, just the people around. And I don't think he paid them anything. It was just like, hey, want to be in a movie? And people... Right. We'll some say yes. People will sell their firstborn if they think they get 15 minutes. So... Well, I think it's partially that. And also, if you're a local actor, I'd be like, might as well. Something to do with my free time. Well, exactly. And in this case, the film set included a kill room like Dexter had. Had the floor to ceiling sheets of plastic and like no surface uncovered and all of that. So in the movie that he was writing, the guy who was the killer was like this Dexter-esque killer. Mm-hmm. And this was the kill room that he would bring the guy to so he literally just copied it and i also want to mention that he was super obsessed with his own sets and designs he was really into like costume design and apparently he was really good at it huh 
And like if he had just stuck with that. Yeah. I, he probably Stay in your lane, my guy. You would have gone far. He could have done something, you know? And apparently he was really into cosplay. And there was a lot on that. And I'm just like, I'm not, I don't, I know nothing about that world. I'm not going to pretend to. So I just kind of left that. But I, I will note it that he was an avid cosplayer and had a group that he ran with in cosplaying. And he had spent like a lot of money on set items and costumes. Obviously, he was really into that. And they cost him thousands of dollars. And he was protective over all the props that he had. Right. Like, for example, he had the samurai sword. And I know. Sorry. But the, the funny thing is, is I don't even think it was a prop. I think it was one he had and he like decided to use it as a prop. Oh, my. But instead of being like afraid for people's safety on set, like he didn't care. He didn't want it being handled incorrectly because he didn't want it to like break. Okay. He was like, don't touch it. Like, he just, he sounds like this whiny, weaselly, like, t- Dennis Rader to me, like, you know, the BTK. Yeah. That just sort of like, well, actually, kind of guy, you know, like that guy yeah. in a meeting that like, oh, like just when you know the meeting's about to end and everyone can go back to the desk. He's like, well, actually. He's the kid in the class that goes, didn't we have homework last night? St- you forgot to collect it. <laughs> that guy. I always did my homework, but. <laughs> yes. But you weren't that guy either, right? Anyway. No, I didn't suck. So he was, you know, there's a theme here. He's an asshole. So by this time, the Dexter fantasy that he had had been in full force. He's writing this script about it. He's starting to put it into action here. And at this time, Facebook is brand new too. And full disclosure, I've never had a Facebook. All the marks coming out here. So... I am not, like, if I get any of this lingo wrong, very polite. I got you. Politely correct me, please. But he made a Facebook account, not as Mark Twitchell, but as Dexter Morgan. He did fucking what? He did. He did it. He okay, did that. I will throw in here. Facebook, when it first started, was pretty fucking cringe. Um, in 2009, which is probably around when this is. After the time that's passed from when we started. Yep. Um, I went through and liked every single possible fucking page I could just to like it. And to this day, I still from time to time will go through and like for an hour just unlike pages that I liked. And it's still ridiculous. So I get it to the extent that it was a cringy culture, but also. Mm, and icky. But he he took on the like Dexter persona to a new level. And apparently, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but my research showed that it was like all in third person in the beginning. Like it was like, if you were to make a post, it would be like, Abby is doing this. Yes. Abby is happy. Abby's going to dinner. Abby is taking the third shit of the night because she thought she could have carbs and dairy in the same meal. Did I get it right? Hey. Was that right? Rude. It's usually a vom, but (laughs) yes, thanks. But like, you know, so he would make posts. It's like Dexter is doing this and whatever, whatever. And people would respond to that. Now, some people thought it was the real actor. Like they thought it was Michael C. Hall, which is which is sad. But also it was sort of new in a time where, yeah, you didn't know who you were talking to, but you probably just had this idea that people were being honest. 
Yeah, I don't think that there was nearly as much distrust of people on face value before everybody found out the internet was the easiest thing to lie about yourself on. And most people, you know, I, it was at that time where people just told the like painful detail. I mean, apparently people still do, but like people would post every meal that they ate and like, oh, eating this. And it was just so painfully honest as if people gave a shit right. about your life and things like that. But that was sort of the time. So people were following this account thinking like, oh my God, this is what he's up to. Or at least it's entertaining to read. Right. Like a fan account. You know, Dexter's doing this. That would be funny. You know Except what I mean? Except he wasn't kidding. Oh. That is what is like makes your skin crawl because he like got a high from this. Like he was just like, oh yeah, like I'm, I am Dexter. Look at me. Yikes. You know, so obsessed that it distorted his reality. And so... He gained a decent following on there and he began writing about preparing his kill room and being out for blood and people would respond back and would sort of just be like, oh, you got to do what you got to do, Dex. And oh, loved what you did in that episode. And and he would interact as if he's him. Oy vey. So unknowingly, these people who are interacting with him were sort of like solidifying the Dexter identity that Mark had. Right. And it helped him blur the lines between entertainment and media. Well, and here's the other thing that's really sad is if he put in the effort to figure out what he liked about Dexter, the priorities there that he really valued that made him want to be so much like this. And then instead of taking the time to pretend to be Dexter, he worked on those. He could have probably become a really great person. Well, the issue was what he liked about Dexter was the fact that Dexter killed people. Well, okay. In that case, um, maybe he should have just fucking made movies. Maybe he should have gone to therapy. I love therapy. But he's sort of like the line between entertainment and real life had fizzled out by this point. And on October 8th, 2008, that line got like, that was invisible. Was he wearing a hello, my name is Dexter tag? He should have been. Probably would have warned the victims a little more, huh? A little bit, but... This was worse. He said he set out for his first kill. Oy vey. Now, so he was obsessed with Dexter. Does that mean he was also obsessed with the planning and the premeditation and figuring out all the details the way that Dexter was or just the killing part? So mostly just the killing part. I mean, he was he was purposeful in that he didn't have a specific person from the start that he was going after. Okay. Um, but he would have this criteria that he wanted them to meet. So it wasn't like he's like, oh, I want to kill Abby. So this is, I'm going to stalk her for a little bit, figure out her routine. It wasn't like that. It was, in his mind, he liked the idea that he had written in House of Cards of getting a married man. But he figured a married man would be missed. Right. A wife and family will expect him home, was his thought. So instead of going for someone married, he went for single men, single younger men. Oh, so there was no street cleaning, quote unquote, with his kills. No, it was it was really just he wanted he wanted to kill somebody. He wanted to know how to how that felt. But he also didn't want it to be someone in his mind that would be missed, which they were. Right. But. Well, and here, uh, just a quick asterisk. If anybody doesn't know what I mean by street cleaner, there is a pretty significant subset of serial killers or killers in general who would kill based on the assumption that who they're killing 
by being dead will make the world a better place. So some people will target those who are unhoused, people who work in sex work. Um, and in this case, like in my mind, it sounds like the House of Cards film kind of made it sound like cheating married men were another subsect of that. But if he's going for younger single men, this doesn't fulfill any of those. So it's really just to feel the kill. It was really just, who can I pick that's going to be an easy enough target that I can lure, but also someone that won't be missed, but also someone that I can fulfill this urge, like I can get this out of my system. It's not like he wanted to kill like toddlers or anything, but he wanted to, that's really fucked up. I can't (laughs) believe I said that, (laughs) but there was this specific kind of person that he wanted to go after. Okay. So like his main character in House of Cards, he made a fake profile on a dating website, Plenty of Fish. Now, I was already with Nikita, my fiance, by the time that like a lot of the dating apps and things like that came around. So the apps that we have today, I don't know, like Tinder and what are the other ones? Hinge, Bumble, Christians Only, Farmers Only. Farmers Meet, things Farmers like that. Farmersonly.com. So... I honestly, like, don't know Plenty of Fish, but apparently it's, like, an, I think it's, like, an eHarmony or a Match.com. It, obviously, there were no iPhones at this point that it was, it like... It was in the first wave of online dating. Yeah, so it's not like it was, like, apps and swiping at this point, but it was, you make a profile, you match with somebody, you can message, like, in a chat room, and then see where that goes. Right. So, in this case, he made this online profile named Sheena. Oh, Sheena. And she's this pretty blonde thing, and she's, you know, down for a good time. Yes. Okay. Funny little side note. As a kid, I watched a lot of Jimmy Neutron, and he has a friend named Sheen. And to me, that just sounds like someone couldn't think of a girl name. I was like, Sheena. Sheena. Was Sheen the one that was like, I'm peeing. In the shower. In the shower. Oh, still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I love Sheen. Um, although, if your name is Sheena, it's very interesting. I just haven't heard it as a female name. It was pretty and it got the attention of a, and I'm going to say it wrong because it's like a French name. It's literally spelled like Gil's Tetro. I think it's Gil. So when I looked it up, people were either calling him Gil or Gil. And I just thought Gil was sort of the cop out of not wanting to say it the right way. So I will say Gil. And if I'm wrong, then I will, I don't know, have to corrections corner it later. But sorry, Gil. Couldn't find anything of him saying his name, so kind of tough. But Jill and Sheena messaged back and forth and made plans to go on a date. She invited him on a date. And uh, she gave him these instructions, and he really got the voice right of, like, this girl. She just sounded like sort of valley girl-ish, just the way that it was written, and you can look it up. Just, like, you know, a lot of excitement and probably a lot of punctuation in the form of exclamation points and likes and ums (laughs) yes (laughs) um so sheena gives him the instructions to their date and gives him this address to this garage and it's like oh okay park in the back you enter through the garage and then there's a door in there and that's where i'll be yes so now, if maybe you've, you've guessed it, but the garage that we're talking about is the House of Cards film set garage. Kill room garage? Yeah, where the kill room's all set up. Yeah, that one. Yikes. So, Jill did as he was instructed. He 
parked, went in the garage, and he... He followed the sign that said there's parking in rear. You're so naughty. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. She needs coffee or something. Yeah, tranquilizer. (laughs) (laughs) So he entered the garage, and so when he entered the garage, Mark came from behind him and prodded him with a stun gun. Ah. And stun guns aren't like tasers where they send like immediate jolts that like stop you in your tracks. It takes a little bit and it will stun your muscles and like it almost feels like you can't move. And began punching him in his head. And Mark. And this is from behind? This was, yeah, he. So he just can't move and suddenly his head's getting beaten? Yep. Yikes. So Mark had anticipated that he'd be sort of writhing in pain from the stun gun, but thinking it was going to be the effects of a taser, he definitely did not do his homework. Oh, no. And he, Mark was wearing this, like, painted black and gold hockey mask and this, like, black hoodie. Like, he looks creepy. Eek. And he starts, like, trying to duct tape Jill's eyes like so that he can't see and telling him you can't move and do as I say and all these things and he starts like trying to fight back because he's like what the hell and then he sees a gun and he's like okay well I could probably outrun this guy but I can't outrun this bullet and then he just sort of had this urge and he was like this is not how I'm dying so he ripped the duct tape off his eyes which ow but lunges for the gun and when he felt the gun, he felt that it was plastic. <laughs> because the gun was a movie prop. Like everything in the fucking garage. And so... Naturally. This was like the most... This was the best feeling that Jill could have in this time because... Well, yeah. He just found out like the one thing that he thought was going to kill him can't. So now he's fully fighting back. And you know what the Weasley fuck said? What a schnitzel. He Same. said, "You stop, you're going to break it. <gasps> like, he was upset about... Go fuck yourself. You're just trying to kill someone. He was upset that his toy gun almost got broken. Not that he was going to kill someone. Like, that's just how deranged she is. So, Jill gets away. <whistles> starts running out. Yeah. Mark comes out. Mm. Grabs him again. No. Tries pulling him. He slips out of his jacket. Okay. And this whole time, Mark never closed the garage door. It would have been a whole different story if he had shut it. Yeah. But he didn't. So now Jill actually like has his keys and he fucking bolts. He gets yep. in his car and he's gone. Speeds away. Good. Later days. And he gets home and looks online and the dating profile of Sheena has been deleted. Naturally. So he is like high from adrenaline he's exhausted he is like could not believe what just happened and he goes to bed and he's like i cannot i need to sleep because he was just so traumatized he just needed yeah. he needed a full-on mental break checkout. i don't blame him like see you tomorrow not dealing with this so he gets up the next day and he's embarrassed and ashamed that he got scammed guy i know he feels like he's like how could i have been so stupid i didn't know her and how could this happen and he didn't go to the police oh and he later wrote a book 
called The One Who Got Away. And I had watched a lot of uh, interviews like with him, obviously. He's, he's still alive, guys. Um, and he gave an interview to Global Edmonton. And he said that it took him years to not have nightmares anymore from what happened. Of just oh, the look of the mask and the fear he had. Yeah. And grabbing that fake gun and that relief he felt. But it was go time. He had to get out. He, he just talks a lot about that. And he s- said that he was new to the area. He hadn't lived there very long. Oh my and gosh. he wanted to meet people. And the internet was still a pretty new thing. And meeting people online was brand new. And he just thought... I'll throw my hat in the ring. I want to see. Shot. Yeah. I want to see what happens. And if I meet this very pretty, attractive blonde that just wants me to meet her in a garage, well, then so be it. Yeah. And I will park in that rear. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame you at all. No, of course not. And you know, social media and dating sites were new at this time, and that was like the go-to way to meet people. So that's what he tried doing, and. He's like, I tried to put myself out there and I almost died. So I'm pretty sure he never put himself out there again, (laughs) which is sad. But regardless, he's alive and well and gives interviews and talks about caution online. I hope that he found a partner that is very kind in a safe space. And maybe not a blonde. Yeah. Maybe. Um, Or at least, you know, someone who's not into movie props. Well, well. But... He was still sort of coming to terms with what happened, and he blamed himself for believing the story that Sheena had given him, and just the fact that he went to this place he'd never been before, and this kind of weird area, and oh, the directions, you know, through the garage, and there's a door there, and I'll be waiting for you there, and these kinds of things. hot tip, and once again, not his fault, but if you're going on a date with someone you've never met before, few good base rules, you drive yourself... You meet in a public place and you leave by yourself. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do whatever you want to do after that, but have your car with you. Don't go in one car. It's your method of escape. Also, tell somebody where you're going. Yeah, turn out. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this will be a really short diversion. But I had a date where I fully thought I was going to get like murked when I was in college And it was with this beautiful French man, delightful. We went to dinner and it was tough anyway. Like it probably wasn't going to work out even if the whole date went really well. But then we got out and his car had been towed. And I fully was like, this is a very in-depth scheme to get me like into his apartment or something alone. And then we were walking and he called his friends and he was French. So he spoke French fluently. And I speak it conversationally, but not well enough to keep up with native speakers over the phone using slang that I don't know. Right. Um, and so I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm going to die. And I was texting my friends like, okay, getting in a white sedan. Here's a partial plate. Okay, I'm here getting a partial plate. Like, And they were like, oh my gosh, are you good? I used to go for walks around my neighborhood with my friends. And if there was ever a car that was kind of like drove slow by us or anyone that gave me the creeps, I used to tell my parents that I would dial the phone number or excuse me, I would dial the plate number in my phone and hit send and then hang up real quick. I love it. And so there would be like this call record, not of anyone I was trying to call, but of the plate that I saw. Right. So I had always like told my mom, it, like, this is what you should look for. That's so smart. I was like 13. <laughs> also, you guys have a code word with people that you care about. If something is not going well and in an in an emergency kind of crisis situation, have it be something you wouldn't normally do, like purple lockbox. No one's going to just talk about that. You know what I mean? Or blue pineapple or something. But just something where if somebody gets 
blue P.I., I'd start freaking out and I would know that's a crisis. So I should leave my blue pineapple at home and like in my in my purple yeah. lockbox. But something just odd enough that you wouldn't say it. Well, but alarming enough that if you see it together, you're like, oh, shit. It's good to have a code. And I am not above sharing my location with my friends or someone that oh, I need to know no. for like the 24 hour period if I'm concerned. That's a really smart idea also. Not something that they had in 2008 at this time. Nor something that excuses any fault of the actual murderer. If something were to happen, obviously not having your location on is not an invitation to get murdered. Absolutely. Or or hurt or victimized in any way. Absolutely. And in the victim's point of view, this was a mugging that went wrong. Oh, buddy. So he's like, I fell for it. But I'm moving on. But now, Mark Twitchell is still out there. He's pissed off. He's learned from his mistakes. And he's ready. And on October 10th, so this is two days later, he lures his next victim. It only took him two days? Two days to recoup from that. That's insane. And that is where we are going to leave off. Oh, fuck. (laughs) And I will see you again for part two. But... That's a pretty nutty. I mean, the fact that this guy got away. Yeah. Is fascinating and fantastic. And I think he feels a lot of shame and guilt for not having like run to the police right away. The only person whose fault any of this is, is Mark Twitchell's. Oh, absolutely. No, you cannot blame yourself from someone else's actions. You can't wish that you had like no no amount of acting on his part was going to prevent Mark Twitchell from doing what he's about to do. Right. Well, and the whole idea of cyber safety, we probably didn't coin that term until very recently in the grand scheme of things. And also when it comes to protecting yourself and for falling for ruses, the whole reason that a ruse works is because... It's convincing. So if that is a method for someone to get victims to them or to lure a victim, I hope that there can be at least some sort of normalizing being able to say that and not feeling guilt and ashamed that you fell for something that was designed to make you fall for it. You shouldn't have to feel bad about that. Absolutely. I understand where it's probably natural to feel it, but we should also hopefully come together as a society to make that a little more normal to talk about when shit like that happens. It's the same thing for elderly people who fall for a lot of like scams and those phone calls. I know a lot of them don't talk about it because they're like, oh, I don't want people to think I can't handle myself. And obviously you can. It was just something you weren't aware of. But what I was basically trying to say is that I feel like he was really hard on himself just being like how could I be so stupid and like I let this like fake woman you know it's just sort of him being hard on himself like I should have known better and everything like that and it's it's not the case yeah bitchel schnitzel's fault all of it all bitchel schnitzel Ugh. bitchel schnitzel okay well I'm kind of mad that you're making me wait even though I'm literally gonna hear it very soon but it is fascinating. It's fascinating. And I I was just hooked because I've known about this case and the fact that he was the, the Dexter copycat. But I hadn't really 
look too much into it and we're going to get into how he really is the copycat in part two okay so today was attempted copycat today was attempted copycat how he got the idea where his obsession became right the origins yes how Um, it how his obsession became to be dare i say it you guys so let's maybe start remembering movie magic is movie magic and there are green screens and props and people don't really just go out serial killing serial killers because that also just makes you a serial killer i hate to say it even if it's well intended it's just true and michael c hall was playing in corn syrup and like red dye and like that's a fun summer camp activity roll around on some plastic sheets with some you know red dye corn syrup sugar mix like and hanging out with John Lithgow, which, jealous. Hello. So, yeah, let's maybe not try to recreate it for real when it never happened for real. I like it. So, with that, I will leave you guys. And this was part one of the pathetic tale of Mark Twitchell. We will be jumping into part two next time we chat. So... In the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, do feel free to email us or give us a DM. Ellie, where can they email us? Oh my God, if they want to email us, they can email us at about time, the number four, TC at Gmail. So that's, oh my God, can I do it? A B O U T T I M E, the number four, TC at Gmail. Very good. Thank you so much. And if they want to send us a DM, and I, I totally recommend this, follow us on Instagram because we're always going to be giving you our updates for upcoming cases and all kinds of resources and things like that. Abby, how can they find us? They can find us at About Time for True Crime Pod with periods in between every word. So that's A-B-O-U-T period, T-I-M-E period. Oh, gosh. F-O-R period. <laughs> the oh, gosh is in there, you guys. It's not. <laughs> T-R-U-E period C-R-I-M-E period P-O-D because podcast was too long. Podcast was too damn long, you And guys. if you follow us, do keep in mind we do post to our story. We give a lot of resources that we find, usually on the national level, not on the local level so much because we don't know where you're sitting right now. Um, and we also do try to give updates on merch. We put photos of relevant people and places of the crimes that we talk about and the weeks that our episodes drop on our Instagram. So it's a pretty immersive experience if you go and follow it. We would love to see you there. And also send us your dang pets. I want to see them. Please. All we want is cat pictures. I know there's at least 200 listens, which means there's probably at least four cats oh my god on the low end yes at least at max i would hope there'd be like 400 cats so send us pictures of your kitties please and other animals we like those too we would love you for that okay um so that's all i guess we'll see you next time we'll see you next time and was that about about time time for for true crime? crime i think it was it was goodbye bye Thank you.